So Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we uh, went into this verse by verse going through here explaining how God used Peter and the power of the gospel, the power and the Holy Spirit working through them. We talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the, the anointing and how they got, the Spirit of God filled them and how the Spirit of God went out and did all these things. We're about to have a shift. It's not a shift that the Spirit of God is not working, but the Spirit of God's about to work in another way. I ended last week's message on the point that Peter gave about repent. And, and let me read this. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Jump back just a little bit. Now, when they heard this, the, the, the crowd, they were pricked in their hearts. That's conviction. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And that, that, that was his, you want to know what to do next. You've heard the gospel that affected your heart. They were convicted conviction was where your, your mind affects your heart. It's your, your, your brain process, the fact that I am headed in the wrong direction, and you repent and turn the other way. So if you turn the other way, there's a whole new thing that happens. You're, you're a different passion, a different purpose, a different mindset, everything. You're still flesh. You still mess up. People have this idea, well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't mess up. You're a Christian. You're still flesh. That's why we die daily. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we crucify our flesh. According to the Bible, we, set, we tell it no. Repent. Listen to this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in our profession of your faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And he promised, just like we did, the Holy Spirit wasn't just us. It wasn't selected for the apostles. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all them that are far off, even as the Lord our God shall call. It's not selective. With many other words, he did testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they gladly received the word, were baptized. And the same day, listen to them, was that, that was the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Added unto what? If I'm going to add something and I'm going to take one and add it to something, there has to be something there to add to. Does that make sense? So it doesn't just say that they collectively, they add it to the church. So there's something that is going on in this passage. And it's so vital. Things are about to change. So I told you, there's a shift. You can imagine, the Spirit of God came down and convicted them. The Spirit of God drew them. The Spirit of God opened their eyes. The Spirit of God fed them. The Spirit of God gave them power. The Spirit of God did all these things. But the Bible doesn't just stop there. There's a passage that I give out in the starting point, and it's on our church wall and things like that, which was the greatest commandment in the Bible. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. So just so you guys know, have this visual of what God was saying here. This love with your heart, soul, mind, and might is from here up. This is vertical, okay? This is our relationship with God. God speaks to me, I speak to God. But then the second is likened unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The working of the Holy Spirit of God in this passage is not only vertical, you guys can get this, it's horizontal. Literally meaning it's not just about the fact that you worship God and that you are saved, but that now begins to work through your life to your kids, to your church, to your family, to your neighbors, 
to love thy neighbor as thyself. Didn't stay that way. So notice verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So we're talking not just vertical anymore, now it's horizontal. The Spirit of God is now working both ways, with God and with others. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. They, if I was writing in my Bible, it was they, the the church, the ones that were together, they, listen to this, they believed, verse 44, and they, and they all that believed were together and had all things in common. L- let, me, let me show you some things, and this isn't the, the actual message, this is setting up for it. This church, I, you notice that this was a natural thing that happened with them. They were not perfect people, but all of a sudden, all these people were there had something in common with one another. Life was no longer solo. It wasn't just them. They weren't by themselves. Christ never meant for the Christian life to be spent or lived alone. Never. This is a big deal. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this because our generation views church almost like an option. Because I want to show you today, the church was not an option. It wasn't just something we added to our life. You know, we, we almost talk about our life and say, well, tell me about yourself. What do you do? You say, well, you know, I play ball and I have this job and I go to church. No, no, church wasn't just something we did. It's who we are. It's not an option, something we do at the end of the week. And, and maybe we need to reprogram it. Not understanding that it wasn't just a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. or 6 p.m. or Wednesday at 7 thing that they did. It's a big deal. Our generation views this in such a way that it's not a priority. And yet at the beginning of the church, it was a high priority. All right, I know this isn't the way that it is. But can you imagine giving birth to a baby and you're in the hospital and you walk in there to to the hospital and you get ready to take that baby home and that baby stood and turned around and looked at you and said, I'm not going home with you. I don't need you. Now, now, first of all, I know babies don't talk at infants and things like that, but I'm saying the mindset of it is thinking the natural thing that would happen is they would take that baby and that baby, because it was born, automatically gets pulled into that family to a place of belonging. And that family loves it It has belonging, it is fed, it is nurtured, it is cared for because it's the natural thing that happens. Guys, what we're having right here was not an organization. The natural thing that happened in these people, when they were saved and the Bible says and the Spirit of God came into them, all of a sudden they naturally, like a lot of magnets, came together. What we do, gathering as Christians should be in our blood and natural to be drawn to one another. It's what they did. Now now listen to this. They continue steadfastly. Can I step on your toes? Can I I get on something while we're in this? They continued steadfastly. The word continued steadfastly in the Greek means to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. Listen to this, to adhere closely to. It was not only a natural thing, but church was a committed thing. Do you you realize that what they did was they, they got it in their mindset and they said, we cannot live without this. Literally saying, I need this in my life. 
There was a loyalty, there was a dedication, there was a commitment, there was a faithfulness. They took this serious. Have you guys noticed how our generation struggles with commitment? I, and, I, and I know you're sitting there, no we don't. Well, let's be real for a minute. Man, a lot of things that we do, we're just like, well, how long do I have to do that? And what's that about? And man, if I'm signing a contract for the cell phone bill, I want it to be short. And I, I don't want a long-term commitment. I think that's why this generation struggles with marriage and things like that. that, that we, we'd rather shack up than commit. We, we struggle with that. Guys, let me tell you, in the church, when God brought them together through the Spirit of God, they committed themselves to God and they committed themselves to one another. We had this wedding renewal at the church yesterday with the Matthews family and I'm reading through these vows and reminding them and it says, till death do us part. To realize that we take the things of God serious. It's not in it why it's good. It's in it why it's bad and we persevere through that and that's what God was saying through this. If I'm unfaithful to something, it's usually because I think of it as something that I can live without. It's like exercising, all right? Let me speak your language, all right? It's like exercising, Do you know what I like to exercise? Never. I don't like to exercise. But you know when I end up going to exercise? When I can't fit in my pants any longer. And I'm I'm, I'm too cheap to buy bigger pants. And and I'm too chubby to fit in the pants that I have. So you know what I do? I think, honey, it's time that I go back to the gym and I'm going to work out and I'm going to drag out the treadmill and I'm going to do all this. And then what happens? I'm just, come on, guys, you, you can identify with this. And what happens is I start feeling better and I start, stop going to the gym. And all of a sudden it's something like, I'm not going to die by not going to the gym. I'm okay and everything's all right. A lot of times we view the church like that. It's a good thing. Man, if I can pull it off, if I have time for it, whatever, but then things get rough and we run to the gym or we run to the church and we sit there and honey, we've got to get serious. Man, I'm watching the news last night and this Mark of the Beast thing looks serious or, you know, all these storms going on or the kids won't listen anymore. We got to shove them in a class and give them a little Jesus so they come home and listen. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's like running to the gym. It's not a priority. And then all of a sudden, family gets good and we get busy. And then all of a sudden, we pull off. It's not a commitment. It's not something that we need. And trouble comes. And then we run back to it. But let me be honest. We get it. Because we've been introduced to church and the words go to church and be in church. That sometimes we, we get away from the purpose of the church. See, I can go to a restaurant and sit in a booth and not eat and then die of starvation. You think about it. You say that's crazy. You're right. If I'm going to a restaurant, you bunch of Baptists with me this morning, I'm going to eat. I'm going to order. I'm going to get a steak. I'm going to get a potato. I'm going to eat. I'm going to get stuff on all that stuff. Last, last Sunday, we, we went out to eat with the tallies and the, the, everybody was stuffed and they came up to the table and they were like, does anybody want dessert? My hand was the first one up. I'm like, that's what I came here to do. I came here to eat. That's, that's the reason you do that kind of stuff. You, you realize that if we, we, we did that and we go to a restaurant, I'm going to engage in the purpose of why I went there. If you go to a church, you go to engage in the purpose of why we go there. If you show up to a building and you do not engage in the purpose, 
then you do not engage in what God created for it to be. So let's read again. Acts 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. They were persistent. They were faithful. They were together. They were going to do something. In the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, there was a purpose for coming together. And if the church fails, it's only because we did it wrong, not because God is unfaithful. I, I've thought of Matthew 16, 18, a verse that we quote all, all the time in Matthew 16, 18. It's Jesus speaking and he talking to Peter and he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will, what's the next word? Build my church. I'm going to build my church. And when he said, I will build my church, that the church is going to be so strong, listen to this, that this body of believers, these people coming together that are faithful and committed, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But back up. You say, well, then why are there so many churches closing down? Why are there so many Christians backing down? Why is there so many issues in our nation? He said, I will build. The word build means that Christ is going to build up the church. He had a plan to build up the church. And this is how. I believe that this is it. And I believe that these four things mentioned here are almost an outline that God made for us to understand that this is important. So here they are. Here's the four things. And this is how I believe that God builds the church. And I think, believe these things are vital and I'm not going to make them up and say, I read this in a book. Nope, right there, they're right here in scripture. Four things mentioned here about the church. Number one, they were connected through absolute truth. Listen to this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So I asked the question, why do we gather? Why do we come together? Peter stands before them and says this, we have truth. I'm going to tell you guys that there's, there's a lot more to this than just saying we have truth and we preach truth. I believe, and they said that they believed they had all things in common, that what I hold in my hands and everything about this is absolute, 100% absolute truth. Do you agree with that? Amen. Do you realize for us to agree with that, if this is absolute truth, no matter what this book says, that is what I must do. Amen. See, there's a big difference between me saying that has truth and a big difference of saying that I'm going to submit and live out the truth. If we don't understand that they were steadfastly, listen to this, they came together and they were steadfastly committed to what? Not just to one another, but it said in the apostles' doctrine. I said, we're going to come together and together we're going to stand on absolute truth. Do you realize that out there in the world, they do not stand for absolute truth? One day they're for this, the next day they hate that. One day this is right, the next day this is wrong. And this happens over and over again. If there's not a place that God says, I gather my people together and together they're going to stand on absolute truth. If we don't stand for something, we're going to fall for everything. And that is absolutely happening in our culture and our nation today. So God said, I'm not just going to have them stand for absolute truth. The Bible gathers us together to where this is in all of us. 
See, as a church, we stand on absolute truth. We believe all things. We have all things in common. We're unified with that. So here's a cool verse. Listen to this. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You realize that as I get up or your class or you get into a group of people and all of a sudden that preacher gets up, listen to this, and he starts saying, hey, marriage is between one man and one woman. Or they turn around and say salvation is only by believing in Jesus Christ. Or they say whatever. The Bible says something that happens that all of a sudden the spirit of God that's living inside of me bears witness with Lloyd's spirit that's living inside of him. There's this confirmation of the fact that absolute truth rules and reigns and inspires and turns and, and, and builds up inside the body of Christ. Now, I'm not picking on anybody right now, but this is what happens. We don't make this a priority, and all of a sudden, our kids are pulled to the world. And they go from class to friends to TV to entertainment to magazines and everything else that we read on the internet. No truth, no truth, no truth, no absolute truth. And we wonder why they go the other way. And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your kids and I want you to come together faithfully and committed. And they continue in the apostles' doctrine. The Spirit of God sitting there all of a sudden speaking to their heart as I speak truth and they hear truth. As they share truth and they share truth and it goes around the room. All of a sudden the Spirit of God standing inside their heart saying that's right. That is what marriage is. And that's right. That is how you respect your parents. And that's right. That is how you raise a family. That is right. It brings conviction. It brings strength. It brings us together because not only do we stand on truth together and we're united on truth, but we grow in truth. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth his countenance of his friends. Let me ask you, and I'm, I'm bringing this to the level of our kids. Who's rubbing off on your kids according to that verse? See, iron sharpeneth iron is two pieces of metal that come in contact with one another to take off the rough edges. If you are not coming in contact with other Christians, then nobody is rubbing off on you with truth. But man, we allow them in the world and we allow them on the ball teams and I'm not saying all those things are are bad, absolute, we should be building up in truth to send them to the world. It's not a bad thing. But when there's the absence of of continuing in the word of God where we grow with one another, we have a bunch of dull kids. We have a bunch of wimp dads. We have a bunch of spineless leaders that don't know what's right and wrong. That iron sharpeneth iron literally means that I am going to bring, and I'm talking about the church, they were together and had all things in common. The Spirit of God working with them. They brought them together and all of a sudden they begin to rub off on one another. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. God brings us together. When you skip out in church, you skip out on this. That's why people say, well, I don't need church. I can worship God at home. Yes, you can. I say that all the time. Yes, you can worship God at home. I hope you're worshiping God at home. But church wasn't just about worshiping God. 
Church wasn't just about standing up singing a song. Church was about the fact that Christians are going to come together and they're going to provoke, they're going to instill, they're going to train, they're going to embrace, they're going to do all the things that God has taught us to do through the word of God. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Notice this, and fellowship. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through all of this today. We're going to finish this up, this whole series next week. But fellowship is mentioned, but it's connected to the opening statement. Listen to this. They, together, continued or lived out steadfastly, faithfully, and consistently fellowship. Such a common word that I, I don't even believe that we've learned on this. And I did a sermon series on the word fellowship, and we went to Hebrews But I looked up this word in this passage on what it meant fellowship. So they're going to pull this up. Look at this word uh, fellowship. In the Greek, the word fellowship means partnership. It means participation. It, it, It means a communion. It means a gathering. All these words that are there literally meaning that they continued going through life and doing all that they did like this. Boy, can you stand up with me? Let's, let's take the first word in this. What is the first one? It's partnership. So we sit there and say, we're going to church. You know why we go to church? The Bible said that they continued in this. This is literally what that says. We did this so that we could stand together like this. Amen. This is what fellowship is. And you're saying, well, I fellowship because we did this. <laughs> this is not the same thing as facing life like this. Amen. Do you guys understand that? And a lot of times we'll go into a room or a gathering, a fellowship, and we're standing there, how are you? Well, we had a great time of fellowship this morning. (laughs) Seriously? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. That's great. And that was fellowship. And then we wonder why people fall through the cracks. We wonder why people like the Edwards can go through the death of someone and all of a sudden the, the Bible says, hey, Let let me explain to you what fellowship was. They continue. They were dedicated. They were loyal to something. You know what it was? And the fact that I am not alone, that life as Christian means partnership. I, I, I don't face life alone. I don't deal with problems alone. I don't even raise my kids alone. You say, man, all those things were given to you. But don't forget, when God gave us everything of the Holy Spirit, then God began to bring things outward this way as well. The Bible says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Why? We are connected. I, I, you, know, you know why partnership is so hard? I'm trying to show you guys. You say, well, I don't need church. I think we don't need church because we label churches, go to a building, sing a song, listen to a sermon, and go home. And God said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Did, did you not see what I wrote? Did you not see what I'm telling you that there should be a communion and steadfastness of everybody gathering around absolute truth where the spirit of God works inside all of our hearts and we walk out saying, I know what's right and wrong because I was rubbed off of the apostle of other people teaching me. So Wednesday night, I, I read this verse and if you were there in my Wednesday night study, you've already heard this. Paul was talking to the church of Thessalonica and why he's doing that, he said in 1 Thessalonians 2.9, he said, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day. He's talking about him and the church. 
Now, listen to this. That labor is physical labor. Literally meaning that I'm going to go help you move. Or I'm going I'm to pick up your kids. Or I'm going to watch your kids. Things like, there's labor. Paul said, you remember the labor that I did with you. Guys, if, if you're going to engage, l- listen, you walk up to somebody in church. And we're talking about truly being the church. And I walk up to you and I say, I'm, Lloyd, I'm picking on you. And I say, Lloyd, how are you doing today? Is it okay if we talk, truly talk about church? And I say, Lloyd, how are you doing today? And then all of a sudden I say, well, how is, how's your family doing? You, you, you start talking to me. Let's, let's use another illustration. Hey, Gary, how's your family doing? Well, going through rough times right now. Yes, you are. Yeah, but thanks for asking. How's your family? Good. It's not easy, is it? It's rough. It's rough. It's crazy. Beyond crazy. Do you you know what? If your life is rough, according to the Bible of what church really is, it's a partnership. And if one member suffer, we all suffer. So his pain and Pam's pain is not just Gary and Pam's pain. It's all of our pain. Do, Do you guys get this? That's why... Especially how dare we call ourselves Fellowship Baptist Church. And so why is that? Well, we have handshaking time. We have a meet and greet. We eat cookies after church. <laughs> how about this? All of a sudden, my labor and travail. Do you know what the second word that Paul used in that, that he said that was with you? He said that labor and travail was the emotional side. Because when I found out that you had a death and you had a problem, it affected me here. And all of a sudden, it's not just one person's labor of them dealing with something, but it's all of our emotional side too. You know why it's easy to slip in that door and sit on the back seat and then say, honey, when this thing is over, we're getting out. And all of a sudden, we head for that door and all of a sudden, and then just say, well, we've gone to church for years and it doesn't work. That's because you didn't do church. You've been sitting in the booth of the restaurant wondering why you're starving. You got to go to the buffet and you got to engage in what's up there. And all of a sudden, we, we, I, I feel like if we're going to face what they face in Acts, where they go out and there is persecution and there is opposition and there are problems. And guys, trust me, if we're going to stand on absolute truth and say, oh, God's way is the only way, and, and I, I believe the Bible, and no, nothing's going to change my mind, and we're in this together, problems are going to come. And our children are going to be faced with it, and our grandchildren are going to be faced with it, but God said, if you face it, don't face it alone. There should be a partnership and fellowship. You say, well, that sounds good, you know, sounds good. It's hard. It's hard. Because all of a sudden, if I hear of a pain or a problem, whatever, I can't just do this and go, well, I'll pray for you. You know, that's great. I hope you do pray for them. What are you going to pray for? Let me ask you, what are you going to pray for? When you say something that you're going to pray for them, what are you going to pray for? Lord, help them. And God was like, why do you think I brought you to them? Oh, because I use my people to help people. The second word in that definition, these are just the first two that jumped out at me. Fellowship was a partnership. 
But notice what's, what's the second thing. Literally, it means a participation. It wasn't just a partnership. It was participation. It, it literally means that it's not just being aware. It's joining life together. Fellowship is joining life together. We engage. We must engage. If you are not making a connection, you don't have a connection. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, oftentimes we don't, we don't have people bear our burdens because people don't know our burdens. And all of a sudden we want church to be corporate, where there's leaders that come down and execute plans. And God never said, I wanted the church to be corporate, but fellowship. Where the Spirit of God is not just working in the leadership, but through the pews and through the aisles and through the people. I ask you, why, why are you here? And people say, well, I, I'm here so I can say that I went to church. When the Bible never said, it's church is somewhere that you go, but it's something that you are. Something that we are. Guys, I'm not saying this because we have it all figured out. I'm saying this because we need to practice it. And, and this isn't just something easy. And I, and I realize if we're going to call ourselves Fellowship Baptist Church and we're going to sit there and say that we are these things, it is important that we live these things out. When we change the page and change the page and change the page, man, they pull Stephen out and they persecute him. And there's opposition and people are falling apart and all these things are happening in the world. But the Bible says that the gospel flourished. You know why the gospel flourished? Because they did it together. And together was the church. And I, I, I'm, I'm just passionate about this because, guys, I believe that we are living in the last days. And I know generations and pastors and preachers have said that, but I truly believe with all my heart that we are living in the last days. In the last days, the Bible says about forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but it says, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. It doesn't mean that you need more service and more service. It means that the gathering of Christians, the support, the love, the edify, the lift up, the carry out the burdens and everything, you better do it so much the more because, man, things are getting rough.